Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode. Uh, we had the introduction of the state of facilities management in Southeast Asia last week and uh, here I am with my co-host JJ to, to dive upon the current state of FN, FM in Southeast Asia, more from the perspective of what exactly is happening on the ground, how is it different to the global landscape and what sort of country perspective does uh, you know a few of the countries have when you look at countries within Southeast Asia. But before that, uh, a very warm welcome to you, JJ. How are you? How was the week for you? It's been a great week, Umesh. Thanks for asking and really, really excited to, to jump into episode one. So uh, yeah, let, let's get on with it. Awesome stuff, mate. Sounds good. So, JJ was trying to look up uh, on some of the stats on how the integrated FM services market in Southeast Asia has been growing uh, versus what the trend has been globally. I mean, as far as research reports are concerned. So, it, it seems that the growth rate has been more or less the same, which is 10% year on year, uh, or at least that's what's been projected for both Southeast Asia markets and more of global markets a bit here and there. But what's an interesting fact is that Southeast Asia markets, in terms of total value, when you look at IFM, only makes up for almost 3% of the global market. I was really interested to know what your ground zero perspective is on, on A, what's the overall trend that you see in, in Southeast Asia and how do you generally look at it versus global markets? Yeah, and that's a really good question, Umesh. And, you know, let, let's start at ground zero being in Thailand, you know, where I'm currently based and perhaps then have a bit of a, a jump mm. across uh, to Singapore. Now, right. you know, Thailand's um, growth rate um, year on year, say from 2017 to late 2019, it's only been about 2.5%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's um, your annual growth, 2.5%. And it's projected to grow to around 3%. From 2020 through to 2024, um, and of course that's you know with a bit of a proviso um, regarding what happens with the pandemic. Right. So you know that might actually pull back a bit from three percent. So yeah, Thailand's growth rate is well and truly below the, the global growth rate that you mentioned before. Hmm. And then if you look at Singapore, you know Singapore is interesting as well, um, which you know as we'll, we'll touch upon. Uh, perhaps later in this episode and beyond that, hmm. uh, their annual growth rates around 3.4%. So certainly, um, you know, a, a, a bit of a chunk above Thailand, but still well below, uh, you know, the, the rest of the globe. So, you know, very interesting stats. So, I mean, that's interesting, uh, James. Obviously, the Ground Zero reports are something else. And obviously, you know, we've had the pandemic, which has to be taken into effect as well. But I've often heard that, Singapore and Thailand are on opposite end of the spectrum when you when you when you look at FM markets in Southeast Asia. But the growth rate being almost the same, is it because it's, it's low in in Singapore because it's all already matured to a very large extent? I mean, just to yeah, look, there's absolutely no doubt that the the marketing Singapore is well and truly very mature. But it's not to say that that Thailand isn't as well. But hmm. I think the difference with Singapore is. Um, you know, the, the the government has really had a strong push, particularly in the last 12 uh, to 24 months, mm. around trying to transform the FM market. Mm. And you know what that you know they've been doing things like setting up an FM implementation committee, um, right. and this is really um, shifting Singapore from being a single service type of a FM industry to being more integrated facility management or IFM. So I think that is, uh, you know, the, the fundamental 
difference between Thailand and Singapore is that there has been a proactive, deliberate move by the government to, to introduce stronger integrated FM as opposed to just single FM. And what they've also done is to um, consolidate a lot of the local providers, and there are literally thousands of single service providers, mm. um, and now they require accreditation. And that means it makes it more difficult to play in that space. And as you consolidate you know, the local providers into some of the larger players, mm. then you start seeing um, some steps forwards around technology and um, different commercial models. That's interesting. So am I, am I correct when, when I understand what you're trying to say is that when the Singapore government is, is trying to put forward and, and move towards saying that, okay, let's try to promote IFM, is it that these aspects are being also incorporated in the way they are sourcing these services? So, you know, yes, yes, correct. It, it, it's, yeah, absolutely. It, it's starting with the government. Um, and, and, you know, an interesting fact is if you look back at Australia, Mm. Um, back in the early 2000s, you know, when we both worked for Spotless um, right. and I was being on government and defence contracts, mm. this is when it started in Australia. So back in the early 2000s and it was government led and that really accelerated the, the synergies, the, the integration of FM and commercial models, which were really driving and almost, um, you know, insisting on technology, data and mm. doing things smarter. Mm. Um, so Singapore government has been doing that over the last year or so. The, the, and, and, and an example of what they're doing now is saying when, when government, when you bid for government uh, FM works, right. it's 50% price based and 50% technology based in terms of the assessment criteria, which is That's a awful. huge change from what it was in the past and what it is in most other countries, including Thailand, where, as you know, and probably India, where, you know, price mm. is, you know, is 80 plus percent of the selection criteria. And then I'll there probably, might be a little bit around. I'll probably yeah. put that 99.99%. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm being polite. You, you, you're addressing the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. probably, we'll probably so, take 0.01% for technology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I think that's really interesting move by uh, hmm. the government. And and what, and what the flow-on effect of that is then to say, well, uh, as we place more emphasis on technology, hmm. uh, they're also putting more emphasis on the way that those contracts will be assessed in terms of performance. So the SLAs and the KPIs hmm. um, are there also being put in place to, to drive this um, efficiency. What's really interesting, Umesh, is, you know, and you sort of alluded to this before, is mm. you know, don't judge a book by its cover too quickly because mm. uh, w w when you dig deep into this, um, mm. th there's a bit of a, a, bit of a hybrid uh, combo going on where the government is, is saying, look, we want you to invest in technology. We, we love you know, data. We love uh, robotics. Um, but equally, um, when we assess you, you need to have a minimum number of headcount. So it's almost the worst possible scenario where you insist a service provider to have not only you know get these efficiencies, but you also have to have a minimum number of headcount. It's it's, it's asking for uh, everything, and that's not really an efficient way of doing it. So I'd call it a bit of a masked um, FM uh, innovation in Singapore. It, it's the the intent is good, uh, the delivery is um, you know the, the jury's out on that one. That's a, actually, in fact, I was, that, thanks for putting that through. In fact, I was about to ask you about this. I was reading about a, 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 a research report by Frost and Sullivan where they indicate that uh, overall in Southeast Asia, you would see shift towards performance-based contracts and integration of digital technologies for growth opportunities. It's, it's a pretty broad statement, which is kind of can hold to for almost any region. But 
uh, sort of what's happening on the ground alludes to it as well but just an interest before we we move to the next question just a, uh, an interesting pick on that so if the government says mm-hmm. you've got to incorporate technology or let's say if a, if a buyer says right it could be private sector buyer or a public sector buyer of of IFM service yep. and says okay if you want to incorporate uh, technology but you have to have a minimum headcount i think at least yeah. that's good at least they are not capping them they are not saying that you got to stick with the old headcount that's true i mean and and so we we have to be mindful also that you know hmm. things don't necessarily happen as fast as they would perhaps in australia yeah. and the uk it, it is a process particularly in uh, some of these countries in asia so you know and of course me being australian being naturally impatient um <laughs> it's quite frustrating to to watch and and observe but end of the day it is moving forward and you can see that you know you can actually physically see uh these you know the robotics and the the machinery that's being used very mm. visibly in singapore so i think it's moving in the right direction but what's really interesting also with singapore is it's almost like they have to go down this path of technology and doing things smarter because you know, there's a huge reliance uh, yeah on foreign labor right there, there's this mm. um, reliance on that um and that's obviously becoming more challenging to get that labor uh with the pandemic right uh, you've got relatively um that's only amplified. yeah amplified mm. yes correct and then you've got um a need to focus on um giving jobs to the locals now a lot of singaporeans don't really want to work in the film industry and there's, there's a bit of a stigma to it so it, um, it there's this australia was it the same with australia back when mid 2000 were were a lot of australians open to do these jobs in in the industry yeah i i i think it, look i mean let's just face it being a, a cleaner is not necessarily the most uh, you know mm. beautiful mm. Job. but having said that as we all know it's a really really important role Uh, you know and and it is a, a great career for right. a lot of people so let, let's not under you know, understate i mean it's a great that. start but unfortunately maybe a lot not a lot of people probably would see that unfortunately yeah yeah in asia in particular where so if i was to say australia is you know i'd say a little bit more open to to, to fm frontline mm. roles where in, in asia there is a bit of stigma attached to it Got so it. that makes it difficult for Uh, for Singapore so you know um that means that there is just not the labor pool that uh, is really required mm. singapore's also um you know giving these types of roles to the older more mature in the community mm. and that really does not necessarily assist in these efficiencies that the industry is looking for so ultimately you know singapore is ripe for the pickings to go down this technology and integration synergy path of doing things more effectively got it got it i mean probably we left out malaysia indonesia what's what's your thoughts on there are they somewhere in the well, middle spectrum yeah i mean I, I, malaysia's interesting because obviously it's uh next door neighbors to singapore so hmm. um, and in fact a lot of the labor from malaysia goes into singapore so hmm. there's no doubt that um that's having some level of influence but i think the difference is is singapore hmm. naturally attracts a lot of large international organizations right. um, also than Malaysia and 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 as they import these these organizations they're importing the latest practices of FM so particularly in the banking and finance industry Makes if you know 5 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, this really started to kick start um the workplace experience uh, data and technology in Singapore um has that really transferred to Malaysia as much um i would say absolutely not there's always pockets of excellence Malaysia right. still is I'd, I'd say you know it's it's nowhere near the level of of Singapore just yet maybe slightly more advanced than, than Thailand makes sense now all this that you're saying that let's say 
so it means that if the buyers are putting a little bit of more emphasis on technology maybe not a lot but more obviously with the view of cost reduction and trying to handle the risks potentially associated with the non availability of labor or minimum availability of 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 human resource i would probably say that so is it going to make life difficult for the local fm players who at some point in time or at least some of them who would have the uh aspirations of becoming integrated service providers or uh, sort of growing in in business where does it put put them in context of global players yeah it's a really good question and i, I think you know, if you look at the the singapore experience and the path that they're going down mm. there is going to be you know a lot of these local providers will not exist in in a couple of years time it's not to say that they won't then part of these you know larger organizations because there's no doubt that um human intervention human um uh, you know labor supply here in the fm market will always remain fairly high it's mm. about just doing things a bit smarter so um i i believe a lot of those smaller players will actually form part of the larger players um Is and they acquired? will um you know, they would be acquired the, or hmm? well yeah it would be a mix of a, a acquisition and also be a mix of some businesses choose that you know this is not for them anymore and then those employees will uh, just naturally go across to to those larger organizations yeah that's mm. sort of my mm. my take on it mm. now that's interesting so i mean and and at the same point in time maybe something interesting are you seeing uh like i've heard a recent a recently very large integrated services player who entered india uh you know left pretty early without even sort of starting their fm service over here i mean it was part of a global strategy where they were sort of moving yeah. away from uh, non uh, growth areas in fm and say let's concentrate on more on owning assets versus trying to sort of provide these services are you seeing yep. something of that sort in southeast asia as well absolutely and and also across the rest of the globe um mm-hmm. so there's another large fm provider which um Mm-hmm. I used to work for actually um you know a, a year or two ago they decided to divest about 14 countries across the globe um a mix in in Europe and also in in Asia mm-hmm. um and they divested those based on you know acknowledging that um those countries didn't really meet their the future strategies uh but you know the underlying tone was uh, they feel that in terms of the adoption of some of these more modern fm practices uh they are too far away for them to to hang around to to wait for the change and that included malaysia and and thailand uh, for, for this wow. organization so and um, mm. that is also sort of stating that you know there is a bit of an elephant in the room around um this insistence around um input contracting or headcount contracting as opposed to performance or outcome based contracting mm. um so you know and i i don't necessarily believe that that's saying it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do it's just an right. interesting observation but it does underscore the fact that um you know there are some challenges in some countries and as as i said before it's not just asia it is also in parts of europe as well well makes sense i think as you rightly said these are perspectives they nothing is right and wrong i mean you have a point mm. view, one of us have a point of view but obviously it points towards certain direction there are certain underlying currents which are which are sort of making uh people take strategic decisions 